since being here, you know, I've learned a lot from him just from uh, obviously he played that position. And uh, so definitely having some similarities definitely helps in the just being coached by him and definitely getting some pointers for sure. Uh, I mean, I feel like I can do a lot of things. I feel like I can get up and play above the rim, but uh, definitely one thing that really stands out is just the ability to get shots off and uh, just kind of do a high percentage. I mean, play I'm just trying to be, you know, just trying to be part of a winning team and just whatever I can do to help win. Uh, one thing really working on is just defensively, you know, want to be a great defender. And I feel like something I can, you know, kind of grow into and uh, kind of develop on that end of the floor. The Five Four Play Podcast, the Die Hard Duke Basketball Fans Podcast, and I'm not talking about the Keyboard Warriors. The AC's fighting off daily on Twitter. The Jackets fighting off daily on Instagram. The Message Board Warriors out there that are just waiting, licking their chops for every time we do something wrong. Get John Shire out of here. Don't oh my God! Get shooting there, or he's going to transfer. Um, it, it's just a wild ride this year. We Figured that it would be, and we got a lot to cover, so we'll get right to it. We got a couple recaps of just a tale of two halves against Pitt at home, and then kind of the last eight-minute meltdown against Clemson. Then we're going to talk about some overreactions. We're going to bring that segment back. And you see, I know that's one of your favorites. It's been a minute, man. Um, We're going to talk about some adjustments that may or may not need to be made. And then, Jack, you got something on uh, some controversy going on with uh, John Wall and your boy Tyler (laughs) Hanford? Don't um, call so him my boy. Don't no, ever call no him way. my boy. Ever. No way. So we will, we'll, we'll touch on that real quick to have a little bit of levity because I feel like there's going to be a high-intensity podcast. And then we'll give you our, our previews. We've got two big games coming up Saturday and Monday night, uh, Miami and Virginia Tech. Um, AC kind of starting off here, the game against Pitt, first half, it was every single thing that, we, that could go wrong did. The turnovers were out of control. Uh, poor shot selection, defense wasn't there. Give Pitt a lot of credit. They hit a lot of tough shots. Um, and then just the second half, we came out, talk about adjustments. We made them all. Our defensive intensity ratcheted up. Cameron Crazies were going nuts. Shout out to them. Um, overall, though, I mean, we out-rebounded them 51-28, to a lot to long. We, we, we thought we might be able to see that carry over to Clemson, but let's focus on what you liked and didn't like against uh, Pitt. No, I mean, like you said, tail of two halves, right? I, I didn't like that we kind of fell back into the same old, same old in the first half. And I loved that this team fought in that second half. And they even fought in the first half and got the game back into almost four, or down to four or whatever. And then a couple more, again, a couple more turnovers, and it's back up to almost double digits again. That's that's the story of this team, man. We don't We don't get enough possessions to make up for our lack of shooting. So when we turn the ball over, it's catastrophic. Like, unlike other Duke teams in the past that could survive bad turnover nights, this team cannot. This team literally cannot. We first half, I believe, in that game we had we had seventeen total total turnovers against Pitt. First half we had twelve of them, and in that run where we came back within four, we had zero turnovers in that run, and then five five turnovers in the second half. Two of those were at the very end once we had gotten the lead. So. This team took care of the ball in the second half. They fought. They made tough shots, made good shots, took good shots, and and everything was just dropping. Man, another another you know a, a signature win for this team. Like and and you saw it carry over to the next game. Won't get into that yet, but you saw it carry into the next game. What they were doing, at least for the start of that game. So 
it's it's a young team, man, that's developing. It's a young team that's developing, but I, I liked what I saw. I know we'll get into some of the individual contributors in a minute, but as, as a whole, I, I really like that. Yeah, I think there was a lot to like, and, and, and I found what we felt a little bit better coming out of that second half performance. Um, you know, you, you can't touch on individuals. I feel like we have to, Jack. Um, Kyle, obviously, kind of leading the way there. 28 points, 15 rebounds. The guy was just an absolute stud making free throws down the stretch. Uh, Tyrese Proctor, a guy that we all kind of wanted to kind of take that next step as a point guard. We think we've seen it. Uh, five assists, zero turnovers. Really kind of just made big play after big play. His shot uh, in the lane at the end was kind of, to me, the, the one that put the nail in the coffin. What did you like from any other individuals? I know you want to touch on your boy Lively. Lively played his best conference game against Pitt. Mm-hmm. Like he was impacting the game on defense. He was catching lobs. He he was grabbing tough rebounds. He was altering shots. He he played incredibly well. I think. Um, I think also it it helps that team was actively looking for him on offense when he got uh, off a screen, when he was like rolling off a screen. But, you know, I, I, I think that this is probably his best game that he's played since Roach got hurt. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. And I think mm-hmm. that there were a couple times uh, earlier in the year, I'm kind of crazy to say that, right? Earlier in the year, I feel like we're still early. Um, it feels but early. Right. Yeah, but, you know, we're right in the middle Halfway of Halfway through thing. the conference almost. Um, so, but, you know, kind of getting back on that, I feel like there are times where he is open and we find him late or we don't find him at all. Yes. Um, you know, and, and prior to even one of the times when we did find him, it was still a hair late, so I'd like to see that kind of improve. Um, the other thing, you know, both of these games, Jack, we didn't see – the whitehead that we thought we would see. Um, we thought we kind of, he had kind of turned the corner and I'm not going to say the word regressed, but the last two games to me weren't, you know, his best performances. Are you, are you forgetting the James Harden step back that he hit? against the first half. I remember that. And then after that, yes. Yeah. yeah. I just want to remind you guys that his game is, is slashing and getting to the hoop. Is it not? Mm-hmm. And it is. How do you do that with a clogged paint? Whew. Bro, like, tell me about it. That's the issue. It's 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 really team makeup and lack of spacing, which it's contributing to a lot of Duke's issues. I'm gonna but... put some of that on Reek too. I'm gonna put some oh, of that yeah. on Reek. Like tech, like from a technical standpoint, like his like his ball handling leaves a lot to be desired. I I made a comparison to him. Uh, on Twitter after that game of freshman Gerald Henderson. They, they uh. he's very similar to freshman Gerald, man, but freshman Gerald was a good player. He just wasn't dominant and he wasn't an alpha scorer yet. Like he, that didn't happen for him until sophomore year. We're not going to get a sophomore Reek Whitehead. So hopefully it happens within this season. Cause John was there. He witnessed it. He has that to, to kind of draw back on if he is even using that comparison, but he dribbles high. He doesn't get low and, and he, he does not attack at all right now, man. Like at all. I mean, again, he he's playing a lot. He's sharing the court with Ryan Young more often than he isn't. Mm-hmm, which, mm-hmm. no disrespect to Young, and it's not like you can really take him off the floor when he's the most efficient scorer on the team. But he really blocks Derek's lane, and it's not like he's he, Young's going to get the Ben Simmons treatment. Mm-hmm. He's gonna his guy's going to sag off that Trey Jones against UCF treatment with Taco mm-hmm. Fall, yeah. just standing under the hoop type of thing. Yeah. 
No, you're right. So it's not like Dariq's going to have – he's going to get double teamed anytime he's in the paint. Any of the guys are as long as you have a non-shooter in. And exactly then, right. Some of that would be on John to try to get him more looks yes. and whether that, whether that is, you know, different substitution patterns where your, your, your you know, main focus here is getting Reap in positions where he can drive because I feel like if we're going to be at our best, he has to be able to do that. And I don't want to get into starting lineup talk during this segment, so we'll table that for adjustments. I mean, we, we, we can talk about it. But <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, do, I do want to kind of give credit where credit's due. I loved how Shire coached that second half against Pitt. Yes. Um, you know, I want to say before you get into that, TK, there's something about second halves when Duke's trailing and Jeff Capel's a head coach in the game. <laughs> uh, there's something about it at Cameron Indoor. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, fair. Yeah. We, we we all know when, when Coach K was out there yelling at the crease. Okay, anyway, I love No, I'm talking, I'm talking about the Miami comeback. You saw about Miami. Oh, hey, that's man. true. Okay, guys. Cameron's a magical place, man. I gotcha. Okay, fair Something enough. Back Coach Cape and Cameron and Duke trailing a half. Magical. Cameron's a magical place. They've been doing it for decades, man. It's, it's that's true. That's true. We, in in the pod before we said like this is probably one of those games you'll see us trail and then we'll make one of those patented Duke comebacks and it's going to be called that one. We, lit- we literally said that it, it was, you know, it it felt like it. It felt like that was what's going to happen. So you know, that, whatever, man. Like <laughs> I have to shout out. I have to shout out Shire for for having that brief moment where Mark was playing center, right. That was huge, and right? I think that opens up driving lanes for guys it, like yeah, Whitehead. It did. It and happened. did you notice during the big comeback in the second half, who was on the floor? Five freshmen. And Mark at the four. Yeah, five freshmen. Five freshmen. So, hey, man. <laughs> they're, they're about to take the squad over, I think. The freshmen are. About to? I guess they already have. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they definitely are. And, you know, to be honest with you, let's just keep it real here. If, if Roach doesn't come back anytime soon, there's talk that he might be able to come back Saturday. I don't know. It's 50-50. No chance. But I, I don't I, think I, it I, happens. I can't see it happen. But let's just say that for this team to do anything, keep them on the floor, let them work through this stuff, as frustrating as it might be. Um, mm-hmm. But we, we saw glimpses of the potential, and that's even without Pete Whitehead doing his thing. Mm-hmm. We talked about it, all three of us. Mitchell at the four is, is where we're at our best. So it'll be interesting to see if if he just says, fuck it, we're just going to roll with this five to start games off and see what happens. Talk about the Clemson game because I love the fight that we had. It was a, it was a tough physical game on the road. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought that there were a lot of things that went against us, especially in that, you know, first half. But we kind of kept fighting, kind of kept going. The, the the fast break, Whitehead to Lively, that was mm-hmm. I mean that's the kind of stuff you want to see this team do. Get Absolutely. out and run. And, and things that you know we've said on this podcast, and you see you just touched on it. It's tough for us to be able to do that when we're turning the ball over so much. We got to get other teams turned over so that we can get out on the break and make easy buckets. And I thought we were trying to do that a little bit there, and then. I don't know, Lacey, do we just run out of steam in that last last eight minutes, in your opinion? Uh, maybe. We ran a combination of we ran out of steam, Clemson, there was their home floor, and they, they fought as well, just as we did. It's, it, they are the number one team in the ACC right now. They are undefeated. No, they're like, not. They lost to Wake. Not, not Sorry, they did, they did lose to Wake. They did lose to Wake. So, at, at the time, they were undefeated. 
still number one team in the ACC, and they've beaten some good squads. Like that, that is a team that was going to fight. Brad Brunel is is a really good coach, and we also shot three from twenty from three again on the road. So, so I'm not, I'm not going to say that won't happen again because it, last time I said last time we were three for you know twenty one from the from from three, I was like, oh, well, that won't happen again. It keeps happening on the road, so let's yeah. just expect it to happen on the road. But that that's a killer, man. Like when you are playing in someone else's gym you have to make a couple of plays down the stretch, no matter what your lead is, you have to make a few plays down the stretch that kills their confidence and kills their momentum because you know, they're going to have momentum at some point in time. And we just could not kill Clemson's momentum. That was a big deal. So, but we fought the entire time. I, I honestly left that game slightly encouraged, especially with how we played for the first 35 minutes or so of the game. And I, I think there's a lot of good film to take from that game that, you know, if I was the head coach, I wouldn't be in practice screaming and yelling at him like everybody wants on Twitter. You know, I, I would be showing them the Clemson game and saying, okay, look, here's you did this well, you did this well, you did this well. Let me show you the good stuff you did, as opposed to just harping on all the bad things that happened every in, in the game or whatever. So, you know, there, there's a lot to be learned still, and it's a young team still, but I, I did like our fight for the first 35 minutes. Yeah, back to your point. Um, how did you feel coming out of that game? Obviously, everybody. You know, it's frustrated with the loss, especially in a game where I felt like we fought well enough to win and we had that stretch there that kind of get down double digits and we fight our way back and a couple things don't go our way and, and that's kind of the game. But we, we kept fighting. And that's the thing that, you know, you kind of heard um, a couple couple games ago where this team lapsed their fight when we're playing NC State. And, well, I just watched three straight halves of this team fighting, hunting down mm-hmm. the turnovers, and you know, I mean, we had 11 against Clemson, right? 11 that's, against Clemson. That's one of our lowest nine. totals since the Florida State game, yeah, exactly. So, you're, you're seeing improvement, you just there are oftentimes you just don't want to see it as a fan. How did you what were your, what were your reactions coming out of that game after you had a couple minutes to think about it? I think Flip ran out of gas and yet was still the first option on offense. Which is part of he he shot eight for twenty two and yeah. as a big as a big you can't do that. I think that I think that Ryan Young played a little too much. I think I think going small there would have been a better would have been a better move mm-hmm. after Lively fouled out. Honestly. Once again, dude, like Proctor had fifteen field goal attempts, man. Like we don't want our distributing point guard taking fifteen shots. Yes, yeah. Yeah, we don't, I mean, we don't need we don't need our, a big shooting eight for twenty two. No. and repeatedly chucking up jumpers. We don't no. need we we need a defensive minded lineup late game there. Like the second and, Ryan Young came back in, I mean no disrespect to him. I love the guy, I love his game. The second he came back in, they just attacked the inside. Absolutely, Duke's, Duke's defense that game worked. The plan mm-hmm. was shut down Tyson. Let everyone else try to make up for it. Mark PJ Mitchell Hall, shout out. Mark yes. Mitchell shout out. And yes. Granderson, Granderson was on him too. They they earned they earned their keep. They absolutely killed it, and they executed the game plan to perfection. PJ Hall just had one of the best games of his career. Honestly, he does it every time he plays Duke. No, <laughs> no. Well, not every time. Not every time. <laughs> A couple times, but. I don't know if you saw my tweet. I asked if someone could put him back in his place and dunk on him early in that game. Uh, this team, and we, we said it in the preseason again, this is where for this team in particular, we really just need to trust our eyeballs from the preseason f- 
fuck the analytics. Forget all the other stuff for, yeah, for yeah, a analytics second. Analytics are nice. They, they they can be, man, but they they don't they they don't tell the whole story with this team. They don't pre-season, tell the whole story in general, though. So that's right. That's the pre, key preseason thing. preseason we we looked at this team and we said they will be desperate for an alpha scorer. And when Derek White, that was my, my whole argument for Reek like coming and being ACC play, uh, freshman of the year was that this team was going to be desperate for a, a, an alpha scorer. And when TK brought up, is it going to hurt the team's chemistry when he comes back? And I was like, no, because they're going to be desperate for this guy to be a guy who they need to score. It still holds true. So chemistry wasn't a problem. It was just, Reek is just, he. It, they have not, he has not been put in position to be an alpha dog scorer yet. Like he's getting the ball, he's getting plays run for him. That's not what's happening. But every time he gets the ball and he, every time he gets a play run for him, he's shooting. So I, I don't know if that's by design for right now. And it's like, let's just hold off for a second or what. But at some point soon, we're going to need to see him attacking the basket. And he's going to need to see it for himself. Yeah. You have your yes. arguable best player going, what, what was it, 3 of 17 in the last yeah. two games? Like, last two games, 317, one for is, six in this game right. from the floor, and his only shot was a two, wasn't even a three. Like, uh-uh, not, not, not acceptable, man. I mean, yeah. also another guy who's arguably like another guy who's arguably the best player on the team, not playing. Yeah, no, people yeah. keep acting like this team is trash, right? When this team's not even at full strength, <laughs> right? Right, We're and is missing. Like, even if Jeremy's not our best player, he's certainly our most important. He's a gigantic piece that we're missing. Well, that was the one thing that, that everybody missing. agreed coming into the year, who was going to be our most important player, Jeremy Roach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're acting like this team is, this is like, a finished product, A, in January, and B, without him. Without the guy who shot this team, like, who shot last year's team into the Final Four. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, he was mm-hmm. the fifth best starter on that team. Yeah. And yet he was somehow the most important. Yep. Like, yeah, Paulo's going to eat. AJ's going to do whatever. Mm-hmm. Mark's going to play his lockdown defense. Wendell's going to be a two-way presence. Jeremy Roach was the reason that he made the Final Four. He's the right. only guy back, and he's not even playing. You want to tell me that this team is trash? Go right ahead. You're wrong. We're getting there, Jack. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on, bro. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> right. I just, I'm sorry. I got I, I got it. I get it. I get creative. it. I get it. No, I, I get okay. it, bro. I think we have to just do it. I think we have to transition right into the are we, are we ready? Dude? Let's just go. Let's just look. There it is. Next play. Hold on. There it is. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I think you can hear the guys. They're chomping at the bit here. Um, speaking of chomping at the bit, we, we have a lot of overreactions that we've seen, or maybe they're not. Maybe they're not overreactions, but... The first one is that this is the worst, the worst Duke shooting team of all time. Is that an overreaction, or are you gonna allow it, AC? Uh, I'm gonna hit the button. All right, every time I'm gonna hit the button. Every time, all right, here we go. I'll allow it. Oh no, that's kind of low. It was a little bit low, but you are gonna allow it. Yeah, here you go. I'm gonna do it again. Yeah, I'm allow it. Yeah, I am gonna allow that one. Um, worst of all time, a little bit hyperbole, but. If if you look at at, at the at the very least the last decade or so, at home this team actually shoots pretty well. Like we're we're north of thirty eight percent as a team at home, which is you know you that's all you can ask for, especially for a freshman laden team. But on the road, we are below thirty percent as a team shooting from three, uh, and I might be generous saying thirty percent. I, I didn't uh, I didn't factor the numbers in after Clemson, but 
dude, another three, uh, three for 20 from three against Clemson. That doesn't help the 30% number. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, no, his historically bad for sure. Um, especially on the road. And it, this is like truly the most Jekyll and Hyde shooting team that we've had ever that I can remember, at least since I've been a fan. I, I can't remember a team that consistently is good at home and consistently is so bad on the road shooting the ball. So, you know, there it is. Everybody's colorblind. Like Jack said last week, he said it was Grandison. It's everybody. Everybody's colorblind unless it's blue. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't see it. I don't see it getting better, but maybe our shots get better. Maybe our shot selection gets a little better. I mean, this, this team, we, we take, we have the, about the same amount of possessions as we had last season, 69 last season. We're at 67 nice. this season. Nice. It, yep. Nice. Yep. Yep. No pause necessary. Nope. But, um, so essentially the same amount of possessions team three point shooting. We are about the same as we were last year, 32 or 33% as a team. And the biggest factor has been our, our scoring on the inside. Like our, we, we are two points. We are a lot lower. So we're, we're really about the same as last year's team. And last year's team wasn't a great shooting team either. The team before that wasn't a great shooting team either. Like, so when you, when you have freshmen, you cannot rely on freshmen to come in and just shoot the ball and make it like, you can't rely on that. I've been trying to set that expectation for everyone. Even Jaden shoot. Everybody wants shoot. Everybody wants him, but Dude, I'm telling you right now, I'd be shocked if he came in and shot anything north of 35% from three between we're going we'll get to him in a minute too. But I'll hold off. So <laughs> just remind me when we get there. Uh, Bottom line, uh, <laughs> freshman laden teams don't shoot the ball well. And we are seeing once again, we are seeing that. So and we don't have a true shooter on this team right now that's playing normal minutes. So it is what it is. We're going to be ba- a bad shooting team. Our, our biggest problem has been turnovers. We can't continue to turn the ball over, have limited possessions, and also not have high efficiency possessions, a.k.a. from three, and, and expect to win a bunch of games. We, we just can't. Yeah, Jack, I'm going to switch it over to you. This team on the year so far, 18 games in, is shooting 43% from the field, 31% from three. Um, but somehow we're one of the best – foul shooting teams that we've had in recent memory shooting over 78 <laughs> percent and it's kind of sad you have to do that for foul shots but you know that's, that's usually that we, for threes it's something that you that you want to see from and, and how many times jack have we heard uh over the years that you know we just need a better free throw shooting team that's what wins games and oh my now god here we are we're you oh know we're a great god. free throw shooting team and yet you know, we're we're losing games. You know, I hate that statement so shoot. much. Right. So Jack, it doesn't you know? win games. It contributes. I mean, I think that if the 2019 team was a better shooting team from three and from the line, they would have won it all. I think I I think they should have won it all, regardless. But also, I I kind of think that team might have been a worse shooting team than this year's team. They just were so dominant inside the arc that it didn't matter. It's an interesting point, actually, because if you're looking, I mean, I don't know. This team's just really that bad shooting from three. That, and the guy who was the best shooter, supposedly, on that 2019 team shot like 32 percent from three. Right. Um, we had. I don't think anyone shot above 35 percent, and 
there was a guy who missed 27 straight, not 27. What was it, 25? I love Jack White. Shout out to Jack White. That's the guy. Like, that's the homie. Yeah. He missed a lot of threes in a row, including shooting 0 of 10 in one game. Like, uh, Yeah, I was there. Are we just going to act like that didn't happen? It was 28 straight or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, against Miami, the guy ne- yeah, yeah. literally never missed a three in his entire college career. But mm-hmm. that, like, from that Syracuse game until the Miami game, Jack White, like, did not make a single three. O'Connell shot like 35% coming off a season where he shot 50%. Cam shot 32% or something like that. Trey couldn't shoot. RJ just chucked a bunch up, and he he probably had the highest percentage of anyone. I mean, Zion, Zion was like 40%, wasn't he? No, like, that he was, was after he came back. After he oh. came back, he only took like like eight, nine. Right. Maybe. But he shot 40. I don't know. I think he, he took 14 threes and made 43% of them, but that's four for 14. Right. Either and way, two of them were in one game. If you are relying on freshmen to hit your threes, then you are in trouble, which is why I don't fully believe in Purdue this year. I don't. I don't fully believe in Purdue because they are freshman laden and they are they have they are relying on freshmen to hit threes and big shots and and, and big moments. Yeah, but they have Zach Eady. Yeah. Yeah, and he cleans up a lot of that shit. We don't have that right now. That's the problem. We don't have someone effectively hitting two-point shots for our team, and that is a big deal. That is a big deal. So as bad as we are shooting and as, as historically bad as we are shooting, we don't have anyone who is taking and making good two-point shots yet. That's that's, that's a problem, man. I think two-point shots, yeah, as we're much shooting 40, as we're shooting are important. from the field, so that kind of, to, to your guys' point here, is more of the issue than the 31% from three. Mm-hmm. We're always, we always, the last decade, we've been around 32% from three. Nothing has changed there. Nothing has changed there. As important as threes are, if you're shooting 30% from three, you're better off taking 10. Think about it. Take 10 shots from three, 10 shots mm-hmm. from two. Mm-hmm. If you're shooting 50% from two, you score 10 points on those right. 10 shots. If you're shooting 30% from three, you score nine points on those. That's why 40% from three is considered great because mm-hmm. it's 60% from two gets you the same amount of points. Last you decade, we've been, we've been north of 50% from two. This team in particular yeah. right now, south of 50% from two. This, they're still getting higher efficiency overall from two, are they not? Are they not shooting like 46%, 47%? From two, yeah, but that's not good. It's better you than 31% mean? from three. It is, it is, but it, when you can shoot 31% from three, if if you are turning yeah. teams over, if you are hitting somewhere around yes. 53%, 54% from two, if you are hitting your free throws at key moments in the game. Like, again, like, the free throw thing is great. Fantastic. Hooray. Like, let's, let's make when you some game, more bro. shots, like, too. Let's make right, some other exactly, shots, too. Exactly, exactly. Fouls are nothing but get the other team in foul trouble. If we hit the points, we hit the points, man. Like, the 2002 team with Jason Williams and Mike Dunleavy lived off of being horrible from the free throw line, bro. Like, <laughs> and in the, in the end of the game, Jason Williams only took one free throw, and guess what happened? He missed it. Cool. At yeah. the end of the game, it's about the moments, dude. If he hit that shot in the, in the end of the game, we still would have been 50% from free throw line that game, but he would have hit the free throw that would have won the game for us. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's not about the percentage. Like, get rid of how you feel about free throw percentage. In, in basketball, like it's not about that. It's about when do you hit the free throws? Are you hitting your? Are you converting your one and ones? Are you converting the front end 
of, of that one and one that, that TK hates so much when we miss it because he's right. It's a turnover if you miss it. Like it is. Convert those shots. Like I don't care what the percentage is as long as we're hitting them in key moments, man. And and again, like we can make we have shown that we can make up for a team that is shooting south of 35% from three as long as you're hitting your twos, but we're not hitting our twos, we're not hitting our threes. All we're doing is hitting our free throws, but that's what everybody wanted, right? All y'all wanted was the free throws, so we got them. Good. This is a we, team. We did it. Like I said, like I said earlier, it's the team where the paint's clogged, spacing is horrendous, and mm-hmm. it's a team mm-hmm. that can't shoot threes. So Absolutely. the lack of spacing makes it not impossible product? to take good two point shots. Exactly. If John, unless you Ryan way, Young, if John had his way, I'm telling you right now, Ryan Young would be playing ten to twelve minutes a game. And we would be playing our normal lineup, which is going to include Jeremy, which is going to include Tyrese, which is going to include Reek, and it's going to include Mark, and it's going to include Flip. Like, that is going to be the lineup that we go into March with. And everybody else, if you get your minutes, you get your minutes. So we got to hold fast right now for the next two months, and it's going to be a tough two months. Get through it, Duke fans. Work together. Get through it. An overreaction, or are you going to allow the shoot is the answer to our shooting was no pun intended that was an overreaction it was all the reasons that we just talked about you cannot rely on a freshman to save your team from three and you can't rely on a freshman who has ball handling issues who can't get open by himself who needs picks and everything else to get open to save you from three like jj reddick did it in a couple of games as a freshman not the entire season right like you can't rely on that. So let's get it out of our heads that Jaden is the savior. Will he help this team? He might. He might. A couple of extra threes a game that we're not hitting would be nice. And I really do think that Jaden might supplant Jacob Grandison or some Blake's minutes. Like, I think that is going to happen. There's pressure now. Like, John, the reason John addressed this in a press conference, there is pressure from the boosters, from, from, you can give a little bit of credit to the fans on Twitter, not much, but it's it's really from the boosters and everybody else, and they they kind of mirror what everybody else is saying. There's pressure for him to play Jaden shoot, so he's going to play Jaden shoot in the next couple of games. You're gonna see it. Right. So no doubt about that. Just don't turn play. on the kid when right. he doesn't when right. he doesn't shoot 100 percent from three. Don't and, turn on him when, when he goes you're... one for 19. All right, don't turn on him because he's not ready yet. Yeah, and the other thing that you know is is kind of funny with that. When you're worried about him transferring because he's not getting those minutes, but then if he doesn't play well, betting those minutes, you're going to want But then you're going to turn on him, and it's like right. he, there's a no-win situation unless he comes in there. And I know that he's five of ten from three on the year, uh, but at the end of the day, like those are low-quality minutes against inferior opponents in in kind of meaningless situations for the most part. So you know you got to really stack it apples to apples here and give the kid a chance to be who he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. to me, that's really the big thing that we're overlooking here. Now, the other side of it, Jack, to me is, what do you got to lose? When you have this bad of a shooting team, fuck it, give the kid a couple minutes here and see what happens. And I would do it in the first half if we're shooting poorly and we need a spark. That would be when I would insert him in games, and I can see that happening in the next two games that we play because we're going to need a spark. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't I wouldn't hate seeing him play a little bit these next few games as a little bit of a spark piece. That being said, I really don't I don't think he's the answer long term this year. I think he is a freshman. He is going 
to have a lot of room to grow. And he said it himself in uh, in the opening that uh, we heard at the beginning of the podcast. He's got some room to grow with handling. He's got some room to grow with defense. Yeah, he can shoot it, but what else can he do? Yeah, is and, he and going like- to be an effective player? Like basketball is not just about hitting your jump shots. You've got to be able to dribble against pressure, especially, mm-hmm. especially high level power conference basketball defenders. Those guys are very, very good. Mm-hmm. They are like in the top 2% of all basketball players. And all it takes is one defender face guarding you to shut your shooting down. Like uh-huh. if that's all you do is shoot, then all it takes is one defender face guarding you and they can take they can do that with us. They can take one guy away from the rest of the defensive game plan to follow Jaden shoot and and shut what down whatever he wants to do. And, mm-hmm. and they can still defend this team because we're so bad at shooting on the road. Like he's there's, not the answer. There's a couple big differences. I know you brought up JJ Redick in his freshman year, and I'm not comparing the two players, okay? But right. at the same time, there's two huge differences here. One, that team had a lot of veterans and a lot of talent that mm-hmm. allowed mm-hmm. JJ Redick to get open. And two, yes. they were running plays for him. They're not yes. going to be running plays for Jaden Shoot, so he can almost. You know, though, if decoy. you bring Shoot in, run plays for him. That's fine. Run, run the JJ Redick screens for Jaden Shoot, and I'm telling you right now, it's going to get shut the fuck down because basketball yeah. has changed. They have changed. Like the way we def- the way in basketball we defend people has changed. The way we defend screens has changed. It's so much easier now to defend somebody who's just running laps around the floor trying to get open. Back then, that wasn't that wasn't something that was happening. So JJ was taking advantage of that. On top of he is historically one of the greatest shooters of all time. Like James <laughs> Shoot is not comparable to that. Like doesn't work. So yet, yet he might be. No, there's no chance. I I, I I would put money on that. Like we just we just saw his, an historic season in AJ Griffin last year with how he that's, shot the ball. Like and, and AJ was so good at shooting the ball, yet against UNC, we couldn't get shots out of him for some reason. Why was that? Because he was being trailed on defense, not even by Leaky Black, one of the best defenders in the ACC. All they did was put one of their most mediocre defenders on him and just run around the floor with AJ Griffin and don't let him touch the ball. That's all they did. Literally, that's all they did, and it shut him down. So, you know, like, shoot is great. He he can't get to the rack. That's not something that's a strength of his game. He's not going to get there yet. Like, give the kid a chance to just be him and develop. Like, he's not going to transfer. He's not. Like, he has let, a plan let, in place. They all have a plan in place. It's a matter of trusting that plan or not. And we're going to exactly. So Exactly. Um, I have a feeling Jaden knows exactly what his plan is, and he's he does. This is not that Shire knows what he's capable of. This is not the usual Coach K thing that we're used to as fans. This is what fans are used to. They're used to Coach K just shutting a player out, whether they knew it or not. They don't. Fans don't know it generally, but Coach K shuts a guy out because he's done with that guy, and that guy's not going to be a good player. He realizes it, and then that guy leaves and transfers. That's not the case with Shoot. John is with Shoot. Pre-game, every game, every shot he's taking, John is with him. Practice, he's with him. Like, John is with this dude a lot. A lot more than he probably should be. With, he should be with some other players, maybe. Like, So just, like, give it a second, man. Like, just let the kid do what he does, man. Like, it, it's it's going to come. Like, And I, I do think he'll play some this year, but I, he's not the savior. That was the overreaction. Let's, let's finish this segment up here and, and kind of a good segue there. That overreaction that John is has proven that he's over his skis at this point. 
That was an overreaction. Can, can I take about, this one to start? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I know you want this, and I was just about to hand it off. Take it. <laughs> Go ahead. All right. So everyone's criticizing Coach Shire. I, I want to know how many of these people who are criticizing Shire and acting like he's in over his head has no idea what he's doing. How many of them were one of the top assistants to Coach K for eight years? How many of them were the point guard on a national championship team, played for Coach K, and have been a player and a coach and a recruiter and been recruited at this level, in this system, in this university, in this program? Let them know, Jack. Like, honestly, do you do you guys not remember that Coach K, yeah, he had a winning record his first year. Then he had two straight losing records. Now, I, I mean, Duke's a lot more of a name now than it was then. I don't, and also, you know, with the class coming in next year, I don't necessarily expect a losing record. I hope not. But <laughs> this is a team with a new head coach, a new assistant coach, and two returning players, one of whom barely played, one of whom is not playing right now with an injury. Everyone who is playing, with the exception of Blakes, who, again, played like two minutes a game and played like five games last year. I know, Jack. Basically, everyone he, who's currently getting playing time did not play basketball at Duke last year. And it was a shitty recruiting class. That, too. That, too. I didn't want to go there. Um, <laughs> I will. I will. I didn't want to go there, but <laughs> AC will. Uh, this is like there is so much. This is very much a bridge year. This is okay. Shire taking over. There's a bunch of guys who have a multi-year plan in place, mm-hmm. and an incredibly stacked group of guys coming in next year. I really think that. 2025, 24-25 is the year that everything comes to fruition. I think next year's Shit. team is going to be really good. 23-24 is going to win a title too, bro. I hope you're right. But 24-25, that team is going to be like 2000-2001 levels, I think. Yeah, because well, we're going to have Cooper Flag and Cambuza, bro. I'm talking 24-25, <laughs> not 25-26. Oh, my bad, my bad, my bad, my bad, but, my bad, my bad. Like, think about it that way. Think, a bunch of guys coming in, most of them with multi-year plans, but also, mm-hmm. like, they're, they're that high level of recruit, not mm-hmm. one and done level, but they're level right below. Yeah. And they're coming in, and they're really good, and they play together for multiple years. Think about that 2001 team that won the championship with a bunch of sophomores and Shane Battier. hmm Like, a, a couple of juniors. A couple of seniors, but like in two years, that's basically what Duke's going to have based on the plan that Coach Shire is bringing out with these guys. What I've been hearing, and this is not something that isn't public knowledge, what I've been hearing and I've seen people, other people talking about it, is that Duke's probably only going to get one or two other guys alongside Darren Harris in 2024 because they expect to have so many players back. And none of those guys are going to be a big guy. I want you guys to to keep that in mind. Yeah, I mean, Dylan okay. Harper is one of them, and we're going to get another wing, probably Rakeem Passmore. I am, I am, I am high on Harper coming to Duke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Passmore. I, I wouldn't hate Passmore. He was just that's the reason at, why Ian Jackson's yeah. not coming to Duke. Just want to point that out. We stopped recruiting him. We did. Early. Why did, why did we stop recruiting him? Hmm. Getting Dylan Harper. Like, <laughs> it, look, John Shire has the toughest follow-up job in the history of college basketball and one of no the toughest in the history of sport. No one wanted this job. No. Except like, Bobby Hurley. <laughs> yeah, and he's nuts. So that's, we knew that. That's Bobby's crazy. Something. Bobby's like, just nuts. crazy. Like, that, that should say something to you guys, man. Like, this is not an easy and, – and honestly, hats off to the media – for like Duke not being every segment and and like honestly the media has essentially forgotten Duke this year and you can see it in college basketball and the ratings and everything else how bad it is. I mean, but yeah, because like, only one Duke basketball is ranked. Needs, right, college basketball needs a good Duke. They need a good Kentucky. They need a good UNC. Whatever, man. But but hats off to them for for ranking Duke accordingly. So I think we need to get on board with that. Like this was in the cards. Duke not. Being ranked at some point this season was one of the things we said in the hot take segment earlier in the summer. Like this was in the cards for this team. Like it, it, it's one of those things. So it's a learning curve. John, John has plenty of time, but for us to be like, he's out, he's done already, man. Like that's, that's so sad. Like who, who do you want instead? Because whoever you bring in is going to suck. Okay. Like John Shire is, he's an excellent candidate to be this head coach of this team. He needs the backing of the AD. He needs the backing of the boosters to a certain degree. I think Nina King ha- is has his back. And this team's still going to make the tournament. They're still going to have a winning record. They're still going to be ranked at the end of the season. It's it's going to be it's just going to be tough the next couple of weeks, man. Like just get through it. Like get through it the way the team's going to get through it. And and you will be happier as a fan because I really do enjoy watching this team. I know a lot of people don't. I, I actually enjoy watching this team, man. I enjoy their development. I enjoy watching what they've been doing. And it's it's not the same as we've had, but it's 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 been fun for me. It's like that team two years ago, just down the stretch. Yeah, they had some awful games, and that mm-hmm. team made me depressed when I was watching. But we also saw something special happen. We saw Wendell get out of that slump and like put things together that he hadn't been doing, even as a freshman. We saw Jeremy come into his own as a guard. We saw Mark Williams put up 23 points and 19 rebounds against Louisville. We saw Matt Hurt play like Danny Ferry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We saw some special stuff that year. Yeah, man. We've seen special stuff our entire career as fans. Is do, like our career as fans, right? Like Even, even a throwaway year, though. Like, yeah. This, t- this is not a throwaway year. No. And we're seeing special things happening before our eyes. The only Again, year that, that like, nothing special happened was 0607. I hate I mean, that year I, so much. I hate that year. It was so not much. a good year. That was not a good year. That oh, being said, that year, so that year gave us a, a a guy by the name of Shire. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. So and it also go. gave us the goat Brian Zubek. There you go. There you go. <laughs> now I I really think this is it is. It's more of a bridge year than anything. And mm-hmm. no, you need to trust not Shire. Used to that. You want to lose Foster McCain? Like also, most importantly, look at McCain. McCain's going to be a boy. huge DK's piece, boy. a huge piece you of at, Duke's DK? future. I'm here. I just want to let you guys have this segment because <laughs> you know. I'm like, look, I'm done, so we can move on. I'm done. I don't yeah. want to lose these guys. You lose Shire, you lose these guys with them. Yeah, that's not going to happen. I mean, everybody needs to calm the fuck down. You know, John is the perfect choice for this. Let him get through it. And you know what? Why don't you all go back to? 
the earlier podcast in the preseason when we told you this was going to be a bridge year. That's basically what's happening. Not only that, but go back two or three podcasts ago when we told you the month of January was going to be fucking brutal and that you would all lose your shit and here you are. Okay, so what can he do better? <laughs> Spoiler this, alert. Let's, what can he do better? Let's talk about adjustments. I think we should pick two adjustments. We've already kind of hit on a couple of them. AC, what two adjustments does John need to make so that we can hopefully kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel for this particular team? We The first adjustment I'll give, we won't see until February, and I'm fine with that. January, just get through it. And in the beginning of February, just get through it. And at the from the middle of February on through March, you solidify who your roster is going to be. I want to see John solidify this roster down to seven, maybe eight players and and let those guys go to work, whoever it's going to be. I don't care who it's going to be. I don't care about shoot. I don't care about Blake's. I don't care about Grandison. I don't care. Whoever it's going to be that's going to help this team win through March, that's who I want to play at the end of February. And we just saw against Clemson, Tyrese Proctor was playing 37 minutes, Flip played 35 minutes, like – this team will be at their best when their best players are north of 30 minutes, including Mark Mitchell, including Jeremy Roach, if he can get back healthy, all those things. So that's that's adjustment number one. Adjustment number two, figure out how the fuck do we get Derek Whitehead shots at the basket. That's Mark number two. Mark at the four. That, that, like, that needs to be... Like that needs to be priority number one, two, three, four, five, and six right now in practice is getting that man shots at the basket because right now the three point shooting shit for Derek Whitehead ain't working. So that'll that'll get figured out. I'm cool if you don't figure it out right now in January, so we don't have too much tape or whatever. But it, it needs to get figured out in in February when all that shit happens. So we'll get to February next in the next couple of podcasts. But that that's all I want, man. I think that that's right, and you know when we're talking about all the different things, the spacing, the different lineups, it all comes down to what's going to make this team the most efficient. And you know I agree with all of that. Jack, do you have anything else to add? Make sure that guys aren't running out of gas completely at the end of the game. Like I talked about with the Clemson game, Flip was dead tired. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. was not able to keep himself standing all the way up. He was taking bad shots that were all short, keeping your guys fresh. Wasn't that his first game in 35 minutes? I'm pretty sure it was. But I, I think keeping him to between like 27 and 33 minutes. Here's the thing, right? Like if, his if, ideal. If, if that's his first game at 35, then cool. Like keep doing that. That's the thing. That's that's all I want to see. Right? Like, <laughs> right? Like let, let him keep doing that so he gets used to it. Like the first, the first game that he plays at 35 minutes is not going to be a great one, especially on the road, high level. Not going to be a good game for him. So as as long as like they're letting him develop that, and all right, fine, thirty five minutes next game. Let's see how it plays out. Maybe it's a little better than the last one, and then the next one is a little better than the last one. Cool. Like I'm cool with that. Like the tired legs thing. That's that's a trope that fans have been holding on to for decades. It doesn't fucking work. Like I mean, like, I don't honestly get think used to playing that amount of minutes. I don't honestly think that. Let me figure out how to phrase this. I think it's an overused excuse. That being said, did you see Flip against Clemson? He no, he was, was dead tired. Ryan Young was dead, dead tired against Young, Clemson and Pitt. Yes, like these Young's guys are not tired. A guy who who really like is built to play yeah. more than twenty five minutes. But the first time they run the mile at Duke, they're also dead tired, That's and then true. by the time they leave there, they're running the mile like in, in four and a half minutes. They don't care. Like they, unless they're you're done Ryan with Kelly, it. Like, <laughs> right? Right. So it's like 
it, it's just a matter of like get used to doing it. That so yeah. if if that's going to be something moving forward, then just let him do it so he gets used to it. It's not about okay. he was tired because he can't handle it. He's tired because he's not used to it. He's got to get used to it. So now let him get used to it. That's, I think it's more. Point. Yeah, you. I. I don't disagree. I just think we got to work up to it instead of just throwing it at him when he hasn't well, really played more than three. Right? Like, yeah, a part of development is accepting the failures. That was a failure. Cool, it was. accept it. it. Was. But Flip playing thirty-five minutes is so much better than Ryan Young playing twenty-five minutes. Yeah, it's needed. It's and needed. So yeah. much better than than Derek Lively right now playing twenty-five minutes. Like, so I don't think he can. Respectfully, right? Right. I don't so, think he can. He's going to get five fouls quicker. So that's what I'm saying. So like, let like. We have to accept the failures with the development. That's yes. People have been for years. Fans have been saying they want a team that develops. Okay, you got one. Accept the failures with the development. Like that's a part of it, man. Developing is not just success every single time. If if someone out there is a part of a group that develops and their success one hundred percent of the time, let me know because I want to be a part of that lucrative transaction. But it ain't happening. Like that's not a thing, man. My other, my other one, which kind of goes off that, is please market the four because that opens up mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. It opens up mm-hmm. so much for this team. It allows Flip to play a more natural position for him, or it allows Lively to, you know, be able to catch lobs in an unclogged paint, or it mm-hmm. allows Young to operate down low, or it allows Dariq to, to do what he does double. at the rim. It allows Dariq to get to the hoop. I was about to get to that. It allows Dariq to get to the hoop. It allows Jeremy to to drive and dish. Mm-hmm. It allows Proctor to get that mid range game a little more opened up. Mm-hmm. It allows Mark to just cook because Mark, when there's only one big on the floor, will just out of nowhere put up twelve points in a five minute stretch and no yeah. one realizes it. Yeah. Because Mark is consistent and Mark is a four in the collegiate game. Like I know preseason John said he wanted this team to set the record for NCAA like three point shots taken and made and all that other stuff. But yeah, this is a two point <laughs> this is a two point shooting team. It is it is a two point shooting team all the way down to the bare bones of it. This is a two point shooting team and it's we an need inside to embrace out that. Team. It is. We need to embrace that. The inside to work before the outside. Yes. Yeah. Just embrace it. Because I really think the numbers from two will increase with this team. If you do exactly what you just said, you put Mark at the four, you stretch the floor out, you spread it out for NBA spacing and you let these guys do NBA things, man. Like I love like fans are saying, Oh, he's not, John's not running play. Shut the f- he's yes, running he so no. many plays. He's running too many plays. Quite he's honestly, a point guard. he is a point guard. Yeah. Like, yeah, he didn't come into Duke as one, but he left Duke as a point guard. There's times we really need to just let our best players cook. And he did that at the end of pit. By the way, oh, we ran did. some plays, awesome. but he let he let Tyrese do his thing. He let Flip do his thing. He let his best players in that game at the time cook. So let like let let that happen. Like I want more of that. So this uh, or the uh, the segment here, the cooking segment, because that's pretty much what has to happen. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's switch gears real quick, real quick segment here. Jack, I'll just let you know what going on this one. Bring because well, we need a laugh. We need a little bit of levity in this one. Oh, and no it comes in, the f- comes in the form of your boy, Connor Hansborough. Don't ever call him and- my boy. I hate that man. He ruined my childhood. And uh, John Wall, who is nobody's boy, uh, outside of the District oh, of Columbia. Oh, no way. So, not even here, man. Jack, tell everybody the story <laughs> here. Apparently, John Wall wanted to go to Carolina and then 
Hansboro, big boy them or something. I, I don't give a fuck about this. So tell the people what I happened. I just think it's funny. I just think yeah. it's hilarious. Yes, sir. An IDNG drop. I like it, man. So Theo Pinson, who straight up admitted defeat as a fan the year after he left Carolina after watching Zion and RJ cook them in the ACC tournament semifinal. He went on his IG story and was like, good job. You beat us and just looked soft. But anyway, he has a podcast and John Wall was on it. And John Wall was saying, oh, I wanted to go to Carolina because, you know, he's, he's from Raleigh. Which, he's, by the way, that's news. Yeah, it, it is very much news. I, I did hear a thing at one point that he apparently did silently commit to Carolina and then Calipari offered him a bag, but we'll get to that. Um, so he says, yeah, he's on an unofficial visit or something or like, he's just in Chapel Hill and he sees Hansborough and he walks up like Hansborough's with his, his, you know, group of people, his entourage, I believe is the word that, uh, <laughs> well used. And John Wall's like, what's up, man? You know, walking up to a guy who he's like, he's saying, oh, yeah, as the national player of the year, as a national champion, a, a legend in the area. And he goes up to say what up to Hansbro. Hansbro apparently looks at him and says, oh, I don't talk to recruits. <laughs> and right then and there, John Wall apparently knew he wasn't going to Carolina. Number one, I want to know who the entourage was, was with Tyler Hansbro. I'm assuming it's Tammy Hansbro and then whoever she was banging at the time, but that's not a story. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. <laughs> Whatever, man. Like this is funny. Like I, I like it. I like the meltdown that's happened afterwards. I like Tyler Hansbro tweeted, he did, saying he did. that what, he, what Wall said on the first up, yeah, he said that what Wall said on the podcast was fully just untrue and hundred percent untrue. He said he went to Kentucky because of the bank of Calipari clearing uh-huh, some checks, uh-huh. which that's that's very bold from someone whose yeah. mother got a random six figure job in a private jet. Yeah. Right after school that was making up classes and spending taxpayer money on this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I can't even say Calipari is the highest paid public official in the state of Kentucky. So, but the beauty of it is how how both fan bases are just melting down. UNC fans are like they're losing their mind because like Tyler wouldn't say that. I've heard so many stories about Tyler Hansborough big time and recruits and other players on his own team. I've heard this, and especially during the 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 world famous Carolina pickup games, like whatever man, like Kendall Marshall, uh, Joel James. You can ask any of those dudes how Tyler Hansborough treated those guys, and it wasn't good. So Ty Lawson, his teammate. Yep. Yep. That's all awesome. And then not to mention like John Wall, like just don't talk about college, bro. Just handle what you handle on the NBA, man. Cause we all know what happened with you in college. Like it's all good, bro. Like just let's leave it. Let's leave it where it is, man. <laughs> There's no reason they bring anything up from college. So it, it, no, it's been great. And I love how Kentucky fans are, are dying right now. Cause they're like, Oh, investigations coming, especially cause they want Cal out. And every time Cal has I mean- left a place, he's left them under NCAA investigation. So yeah, I already know like we, we all know (laughs) that Calipari has been to how, however many final fours he's been to two final fours that haven't been vacated. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. (laughs) come on. He, he cheated Rose into Memphis. He loved it. Like something with Marcus can be love it. (laughs) You think he got to Kentucky and he's suddenly squeaky clean. Like, okay, let's be real. Every school does this stuff. Love it. Every single school does this stuff, but nah, it's only Calipari. <laughs> Let's not even do that, Jack. 
I don't even want to do that, Jack. Okay, Carolina <laughs> clearly does it too. Yeah, Carolina, Kentucky, only yeah, two. Carolina, man. Kentucky, absolutely nobody else. Kansas. Um, dirtiest program. Dirtiest program. Yeah, yeah. Kansas. And UCLA. Buggle. UCLA. And Arizona. Buggle. And, and Alabama. Buggle. No, uh, we're not even talking about Bama today. Um, uh, no, no way. We, we didn't do that last week. So, you know. Either way. Okay, all right. So let's get to uh, – that was Alex Riverdale stuff. Let's get to – Two games. <laughs> I just think it's funny. It's, it's shortest segment it of the year. Shortest we did something lighthearted. We needed it. We needed it. All right, here we, we go. Did, now we, now we, we got to get back to business here. Mm-hmm. We got Miami at home, the always challenging noon Saturday game. Um, Such a tough is, Saturday. This is a tough one because I know that uh, you know I predicted us to lose this game when we were going through our January forecast. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, at, at this point in the season, we kind of know what Miami is. We don't have to spend a whole lot of time talking about them. You, you know, they're a strong team. They're, they're a team that can give us fits. Um, I, I'm going to stick with, with my original predictions then. And I'm going to say that we're going to lose our first home game of the year. Uh, I think it could Oof. be ugly and give me Miami 77 through 69. Not nice. Okay. All right. I think we win this game. I, I said we, we go undefeated at home. I think that continues against Miami. I think it'll be close. I think it'll be another game that we have to, you know, we really have to come together and, and make it work. Miami is not a team that, thankfully, is not a team that can kill you defensively. Like, they, they actually let a lot of teams score from two. They're, they're allowing 49% from two. Uh, 50, 50% if you want to round it up, 49.6. But the, so they, they struggle with interior defense. They don't have a lot of big players. They don't have a lot of guys who are going to stop you off the drive. I think that's going to be I think it's going to be good for Duke. We saw it against Pitt, and I think we'll see it again against Miami, us, us taking advantage of the two-point shot. Uh, Miami turns the ball over a little bit too. So, you know, they're they're north of, of 12 turnovers a game in ACC play. So I'm I'm with it, man. I think this is a game that Duke can win slightly comfortably, but not like I don't, I don't think we have to ha- take a last minute shot to or a last second shot to win the game. Yeah, I, I think this is something that we can win with free throws down the stretch. This is a good free throw shooting team. Take advantage of it. Uh, even without Jeremy, I still think we can handle this game. You're going to see us play a little bit of zone probably this, this game, but we're going to have to push that zone out because this is a decent three point shooting team. But Give me, uh, give me Duke seventy-seven because we're gonna have to score some points. Give me Miami seventy-two. All right, Jack, what do you got? Seventy-eight to seventy-four. It's gonna be a game very similar to the game last year, uh, except that hopefully Duke comes out on top. This is a, this is a game that's a little bit personal for me. I've talked about this on the <laughs> podcast. Uh, Isaiah Wong beat me in high school. Um, get him, Jack. And well, also, no. one of their assistant coaches is my friend's older brother. So, a little bit personal. Uh, but speaking, I, have, I have a lot of respect for the program. Uh, speaking of personal, speaking of personal, Jack. Yeah. Um, the next game. <laughs> oh, I knew we, it. We got to do it, Jack. Every year, we got to do it. Uh, HC, you don't get to talk for this segment, right? right. So, Jack, you and I will start this one out. Um, this is another yeah, game I, I believe that I predicted us to, to lose. 
and I hate the fact that I'm going to have to do three straight losses, but I'm just going to say it. And we're going to shoot terribly out there in Castle. Um, I think this is going to be a tough one for us to win, and it's going to be one of those quick turnaround games uh, that Coach K always loved because it's, you know, um, not going to look like the the NCAA tournament where you got to play two games in three days no matter what. Uh, I think this is going to be very tough, and it's, it's you know, it's going to be one of those games where the fans are going to lose their shit because we're going to shoot terribly. I think we lose that game to the tune of 67 to 58. Jeez. Yeah. It's going to be ugly. I mean, Kitsur is back now, I think. Um, no. he yeah. Might, he might play that game. It's a maybe. Okay. Well, I think that it, if there's no Kitsur, Duke wins. He's going to be hurt when he plays either way. He's the catalyst for that team. They have lost a bunch since he went out. Mm-hmm. and Five straight. Uh-huh. I thought it was six now. Might be six. I think it's five. It's going to be six when they play UVA in a couple days. That's true. Although I heard he was questionable leaning toward Parable for that game. Mm-hmm. We will see. I, I think that without Hunter Couture, Duke wins this game 68-62. to I think if Hunter Couture plays, it'll probably be let's go with Duke sixty five, Tech sixty three. All right, and uh, that's it for us. Game. That's it for us. In the, okay. We're done. We're not even. Wait, 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 no, wait a minute. No, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> right, don't you want a little bit of insight? Look, nah. Tech doesn't. Tech doesn't turn teams over. They don't defend the two. This is a game that we can win. I just don't know that we will because again, I picked this as a loss earlier in the season as well. If we settle for threes, if this team takes the two point shot and gets to the interior, which they can against Virginia Tech, then they'll actually win this game. But two days after playing Miami and then you got to go to Blacksburg and shoot in that place. Good luck, man. That place is so horrible. I'm going to pick I'm going to pick a loss strictly because of that. But I, I can see a path for this team to win the game if they if they completely rely on the two point shot and getting to the free throw line. They can win this game against Tech, but they have to do that. They cannot get in a, sh- a three-point shooting match with the squad. Tech's, Tech's leading player, Sean Padula, really good player, but you can't you can't be super successful relying on Sean Padula. So this is a game Duke can win. They just got to go and take it, and you got to take it from two against Tech. You can't take it from three. So. I'm 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 gonna say that we're gonna settle because that's what we've done on the road, but I can see a path for it. But I'll just say 60, 65 to sixty three Virginia Tech. All right, here we have Go ahead. Yeah, but yeah, he 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 gave the pathway, <laughs> and then Tech Tech anyway, and then and then Tech Tech anyway. All right, so there we go. <laughs> I don't trust us to take those shots, man. Look, man, I don't and trust why it. Would you uh, master class, come on. This is gonna be a master class. Uh, oh, all right, here man. we go. So it's been a up and down year, but more good than bad. If you really want to sit back and think about it, we're 13 and five. This is a team that is developing. This is a team that needs your support, and I'm looking forward to the camera crazy bringing it. They're already setting up Shashiville. We need every bit of them. Let's go Duke. Let's go Duke. Let's go Duke. I'm trying to find it. <laughs> Zach's oh. got the outro today, baby. <laughs> you got to edit that part out, right, AC? No. <laughs> that shit is thinking, bro. <laughs> Get him, Zach.
Hey guys, thanks for checking out the Five Point Play podcast. Like, comment, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check us out on Twitter and Instagram. Five Point Play Podcast. Let's go, Duke. That was good, Jack. That was good, man. <laughs> you got it.